So we're doing a podcast. This is it. You're listening to it. Hello. If you don't know what a podcast is, it's people talking about a thing, a general theme. So my name is Janie. My name is Max. And we are two roommates and best friends who uh, currently aren't working and who like to tell each other things. Yeah. So. The name of this podcast we've decided tentatively is sort of the story. That's just kind of how it happens. We both tell each other lots of stories and myths that we think up. Yeah. Anytime one of us gets close to working on something or getting anything done, the other one will rush into the room and say, hey, can I tell you something? <laughs> yeah. So we are, are making this podcast of just us telling stories to each other. So we're going to do this kind of, we're finding stories and then telling them to each other. But we're doing like folk tales, myths, legends, I don't know, maybe some historical stories. Fairy we'll tales. <laughs> I got some family stories. We'll, we'll do Anecdotes. It. It's probably going to be us mostly making incredibly stupid jokes. If you're still at listening at this point, welcome. <laughs> That's just a oh. little of an overview of how this is going to work. As we get started, we are not folklorists. No. Or professional storytellers in any capacity. No. I took some notes on the story and I'm going to do my best to give it to do justice to it, I'm sure Jeannie. I have not taken any notes. I like to make up things like names and where people yeah. are. So this isn't necessarily like a historical accounting or like an in-depth, super, super well-researched thing. So they're just stories. Also, we are gonna try, um, I guess we haven't really talked about it, but if we have stories that have like potentially triggering or difficult content, we're gonna do our best to warn you ahead of time. Also, if you're listening to this with your kids, which some people do go on my TikTok and let their kids go up there, we're not going to censor ourselves. We swear a lot. A lot. Also, Very sometimes scary. just casually make terrible, weird jokes. So take that as you will. Some kids can handle it. Um, we're very sorry. We'll put up trigger warnings, though, if it really is just adults only. If a child is in the room, they'll burst mm -hmm. into flames. A lot of myths and fairy tales have violence in them. <laughs> so <laughs> just as a baseline, if you have issues with people who turn into beasts or, you know, like uh, gods doing things that don't make sense or trying to make a baby know, while they're an aunt if you just get, i don't know i <laughs> we'll figure so. it out as we go along yeah but thank you for joining us on this journey as we basically recreate what it was like in the ancient days sitting around on a couch with your dogs in your lap and a microphone attached to your coffee table classic ancient storytelling <laughs> so mine is called the blackthorn walking stick and i heard it on story story it's my favorite spooky tale right now, and I like it so much. I talk about this all the time. I've told this story a million times on my TikTok, and I'll tell it a million more times. Uh, I'm a dirty repeater. So this is the Blackthorn walking stick. I'm guessing it's an Irish story because the person who told it on Story Story, which is a great podcast, is speaking in an Irish accent that may or may not be a fake Irish accent. It didn't sound like a real Irish accent In fairness, all Irish accents sound like fake Irish accents. That's kind of true. <laughs> it's hard. But I'm just going to say it's an Irish story uh, just to be safe. It's called The Blackthorn Walking Stick, and I will not be putting on an Irish accent <laughs> during this. You're welcome. A fun thing that I guess you all may learn eventually is that Janie is... <laughs> A talented and accomplished actress. She went to school for theater. She went to the New York Academy of Constitution. Dramatic Arts. New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. Wow. It's been a while. She's also done a lot of audiobooks and recordings and everything like that. She can't do accents. I'm real bad. <laughs> what was that? What was that? What was that supposed to be? <laughs> Maybe Scottish. <laughs> it could have been Scottish. I think I wanted it to be Irish in the moment. Anyway, okay, so this is called the Black Torn Walking Stick. Cool. Yeah. Nailed it. There once was a man named Derry, and he was hot as fuck. 
So basically, he had like the really dark, curly brown hair. He had the really light eyes, like classic, like hot Irish guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he walked around with a blackthorn walking stick because also he was a hipster who had to pretend to be old. So he had his like blackthorn walking stick. He'd walk around and he would like do finger guns at all the hot Irish ladies. And they were all like, oh my God, we love dairy. So he was so popular that he actually had three girlfriends that didn't know about each other right away, right? And he liked his three girlfriends a lot and he was living the life. And then one day his parents sit him down and they're like, hey, Derry, you're embarrassing the family line, okay? At this point, everybody knows you have three girlfriends. You're getting so old, give us grandbabies. It's time, you need to get married. And so Derry was like, all right, here's the thing. I'm gonna have to choose one of my three girlfriends and they all have a lot going for them. So he is walking to like a town dance. There's like a like a town like barn raiser type thing. And these- A Kaylee. Is that called a Kaylee? <laughs> Max knows more than I do. So he's going to this Kaylee and as he's walking with his blackthorn walking stick, he's trying to decide which of these girls am I gonna pick? And that means I have to break up with the other two and probably still sleep with them on the side, but like it, it'll be take them convincing. And so he's like, Anne is very pretty. Um, she's not very smart, which is kind of a bonus for Derry. He's like, I don't want like a smart girl, but also <laughs> she's she comes from a fairly wealthy family. Like my parents would be pretty happy that I would like, you know, marry into this family. So that's a bonus. Lucy, however, is pretty smart, like relatively smart. She did okay in school. She's extremely rich. Like she's like the richest girl in town. So he's like, ah, Lucy's looking pretty good. (laughs) I, I don't know so far Lucy. But then he thinks about Katie. Katie is very poor and very smart. So he's like, I don't know. Those are two like things against her. My name is Derry and I'm a huge misogynist. But Katie's super, super hot. Like she's the prettiest girl in town. And he's like, oh, this is hard. He's like, this is a really hard decision that I have to make as the like this very handsome man who's done nothing with my life. I hate Derry. <laughs> um, he's walking with his blackthorn walking stick. He's going to this barn raiser, Kaylee. And he passes by the cemetery and he happens to remember because every time he passes by the cemetery, you can't help it. You get this chill up your spine, right? Because there's a mausoleum, like a tomb in the cemetery that's supposed to be super, super haunted. It's thought to be cursed and it is the Murphy family tomb, right? And the Murphy family tomb, like they were kind of like assholes. Like this, this whole line was rotten to the core. And so people do not go into the cemetery at all at night. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of things saying like, hey, you will not come back if you go in at night. And so he's passing by. It's still kind of like, you know, the sun hasn't gone down yet. And he thinks, I know how I'm going to choose. I'm going to, I know how I'm going to choose my wife. So he goes into the cemetery and he goes to the Murray's, Murphy's tomb and he lays his black thorn walking stick on that uh, Murphy like tomb, right? He lays it right outside the gates or right inside the gates. And he kind of laughs and he then he walks his way over to the party. And when he gets there, everybody's in full swing, you know, they're all dancing and he sees to kind of his like, ooh, the three girls are all talking to each other. So like this happens to be the night that they found out about each other. So when he walks up, he's like ladies and they're all like, mm-hmm. Classic Murphy's Law. Murphy's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't have three girlfriends and expect them not to hang out. So <laughs> he's like, Anne, Annie, how are you? And she's like, don't talk to me. And he's like, got it. Uh, Lucy, what's going on? And she's like, I'm too rich for this. And he's like, that's true. And then he's like, Katie. And she's like, I'm also pissed. And he's like, (laughs) Katie, (laughs) you're so hot. Uh, And then they're like, listen, we've been talking. We find out about each other. And we also know your parents gave you an ultimatum and that you have to choose. So uh, who's it going to be? You have to choose one of us. The other two aren't going to sleep with you. And Lucy's like, "Mm mm-hmm. 
wink. And he's like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> what an incentive not to, not to marry you. But he's, he's they're like, you know, how are you going to choose who's going to be your wife? And he says, well, actually, I was thinking about that. He's like, you know, you might have noticed I don't have my super cool Blackthorn walking stick. And they're like, yeah, we did notice that. Turns out you can walk. Uh, we all kind of assumed you were lame. I was going to ask. <laughs> so not even a limp, you poser. And so he was like, yeah, I took my Blackthorn walking stick and I actually left it on Murphy's tomb. And the whole barn was like, <gasps> they all like gasp. But they're like, the, the little fiddlers are like, eh, like right yeah, scratch. Yeah, the uh, piano is like, yeah like keys are flying (laughs) off the piano like several doves fly out of the barn (laughs) three old ladies faint yeah (laughs) somebody died that day (laughs) jerry's a murderer jerry a manslaughterer a manslaughter yeah you know the intent wasn't there (laughs) so they were like wow what do you want us to do about that and he's like i was thinking whoever is going to be my wife will go and grab my blackthorn walking stick and they're like, but the sun already went down. And he's like, yeah, that's the challenge. You stupid idiot. <laughs> you have questions? I, you just hate him? Why is it their problem oh, that he has three girlfriends and has to cheat? Why, mm-hmm. why would they do this challenge? You wouldn't want to do the Dairy Olympics where you go and get his shit <laughs> from the cemetery. Where he put it. Yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? Did I mention Why he has dark hair and light him? eyes? Okay. <laughs> Did I mention? Anyway. <laughs> and now you know he can walk fine? Like, what a catch. <laughs> so he's like, uh, what about it, Annie? Are you going to go get my Blackthorn walking stick, you uh, idiot? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Oh, stop calling me an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he's like... <laughs> Not at all. See you later. And so then he's like, Lucy, Lucy, you're so wealthy. You're going to go get my black on walking stick? And she's like, yeah, no, I'm the rich one in this situation. I have no reason to do that. So no, Derry, you can go to hell. And so then he looks at Katie and he's like, Katie, you're going to go get my black thorn walking stick? And she's like, I have literally no other prospects because I'm so poor. So basically she has no choice. It's taking advantage of the poor, right? So she's like, Okay, I have your word. If I get your goddamn stick, you will marry me. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, and no prenups. And he's like, ah, all right, no prenups. And she's like, you <laughs> promise? And he's like, oh, I promise. <laughs> so she's like, all right, let's do this. And so she goes to, reluctantly, right? She's not like happy about it, but she's like, this is like the best match I'm going to get. Uh, my kids are going to be so pretty. <laughs> and so she goes to the cemetery. She leaves the barn and she walks to the cemetery. She goes to the gates. Here's the thing about Katie is she's super hot. She's also very smart. She also is super brave. Like she always has been. She has basically no fear. She's always the one that is the first to do everything. So she's like, yeah, I can go get this stick for you, whatever. So Katie goes through the cemetery gates. Fine, right? She walks to the Murphy's tomb. She sees the Blackthorn walking stick and she's like, this is easy enough. And she goes to grab it. She opens up the little gate surrounding the mausoleum. And as she's about to grab that walking stick, she starts hearing something coming from inside the tomb, right? And inside the tomb, she's hearing a voice. It's kind of far down and she's hearing it going, help, 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 help. And it's just like, it sounds like it's in pain. It's clearly a man down there just screaming and screaming for help, right? And it's like muffled because when you go through a mausoleum, it's underground, right? So she's like, oh no <laughs> this is terrible <laughs> and so but she's hearing him right and it's like please i can hear i can hear you up here i fell down like yeah and so like she's she's at this point she's like well i can't just leave a man down there clearly something went wrong so she like 
she puts the stick down, right? Or she puts it outside the gate, I think. Like, she's just like, this is for when I come back so I don't forget it. It's right outside the gate. And then she opens the mausoleum, like, door. And she calls out. She's like, hello? Is, did somebody, is there somebody in here? And he's, and she can hear the voice again. Oh, thank God. Thank God. You're, I fell down. And I, Kelly, can you please come? I need some help because I can't get back up the stairs. So she's like, you know, genuinely really concerned for this person. And so she goes down the steps and she's making her way further and further down underground. On either side of her are like the coffin shelves, all this stuff. She gets to the bottom and to her horror, like she sees something moving. And so she's like, sir, are you okay? And all of a sudden a like bony corpse hand comes out and grabs her by the wrist. And she realizes to her horror, cause there's still light shining from above that she is face to face with a corpse, right? And this corpse is grinning. Its skin is stretched over its face. All of its teeth are showing. Its eyes are still in its head, but like rotted and like bulging out. It has like hair still attached to it. It's kind of gooey. Uh, smells terrible and now it's like ah like i got you <laughs> so she starts to scream but before she can really move out of the way it starts to like grab her and climb up her back and then it wraps itself around her like a backpack and like locks its legs around and now it's fully she's wearing this corpse like a backpack and then she realizes suddenly she doesn't have any control over her limbs like she's like just completely limp and she cannot move even though she wants to she's like i need to run away she can't do anything and this corpse is like ah thanks for coming down like <laughs> i'm like so polite and he's like it's me murphy <laughs> oh i thought that was a last name is it just one guy in the mausoleum i don't know his name is murphy mcmurphy <laughs> So Murphy McMurphy is now on her like a backpack and it's like, now I'm controlling you. We're going to have a wild night. Go up the stairs. And so she realizes to her horror, as he says, go up the stairs, her legs start moving and she's like, oh no. And so she's climbing up the stairs and she's fighting her hardest, but she cannot get this thing off her back or stop walking. They get out of the mausoleum and he's like, go forward. And so she walks through the cemetery. She goes out the gate. She passes by that blackthorn walking stick, right? And she's like, dairy <laughs> i hate that guy and uh, they walk out and then he looks to the left where they had you know the party is all of like most of the town is at this party right and they can see the lights they can hear voices off in the distance and he's like we're going right and so she is taken right away from civilization they get to a house and he's like go up to the front step and she's like what is happening like clearly something bad's gonna happen they walk up to the first door and he touches the he reaches out and touches the door and then screams and goes back and he's like ah this one has holy water on it ah, i'm burning ah get away from this door so she's like all right so they leave they go to the next house and same thing right he touches the door and he's like oh god this one all has holy water who puts holy water on a door this is really weird it's ireland so <laughs> welcome so um they go to a third house right it's farther back than the rest and she's looking at it and she's like i know this house like wait i think i know who lives in this house they go up to the door and he's like yeah this one has no holy water this is the door and so he's like go inside and so she's forced to go inside right she can't really like make any noises but he's like up the stairs and so she like climbs up the stairs she goes through a doorway and she sees in the door like in this room there are three beds and there are three boys sleeping in the beds right and she sees one of them is like her age and it's actually a guy that she went to school with and she's like i know that i know this guy what are we doing here and he's like grab the the cup that's on the nightstand right so he has like a glass of water on the nightstand so she grabs that and then leans next to his bed and the corpse reaches out a long like claw type like nail 
pointy finger, grabs this guy's wrist and then slashes across his wrist, right? And as he's doing it, he's like muttering stuff. She holds the cup underneath his wrist and blood just starts to pour into the cup. And as she's, this is happening, she's looking at the guy's face and he's getting really gray. Like he's just turning like just gray. He's suddenly like, he looked like he was like a, moving a little bit before, but now all of a sudden he's like completely still. He's getting really cold. The corpse takes his finger and rubs it over that little like slash mark he made and it closes up and the bleeding stops but now this guy is just lifeless in the bed and so she's like staring in horror like what what and so he goes to the next one she does this to all three beds right and she can't stop it so now all three of these boys are lifeless and gray in their beds and the corpse is like down to the kitchen and so she's forced to then walk down the kitchen yes that's gotta be a really big cup it's a huge cup. It's not all their blood. Like, okay. It's, it's actually just like um, one of those big like waterproof tote bags. Yeah. <laughs> you know? One of the Ikea. Uh, yeah. It's an Ikea bag. bag. <laughs> Filled with blood. And she's just <laughs> dragging it down the thing. <laughs> she just has a wheelbarrow full of blood. <laughs> Classic. Splashing everywhere. He's like grabbed the wheelbarrow next to the, <laughs> next to the bed. But, it's a wheelbarrow from the nightstand. So it's not like all their blood. Also, he's like muttering stuff. So like he's clearly doing stuff. But collecting this blood has essentially like cursed these people so mm. now they're going downstairs with this cup of blood and the ikea bag that she's also <laughs> <laughs> slashing around full of blood and he goes to the kitchen and he's like i'm hungry are you hungry and she's like a little uh she doesn't say that but <laughs> i would say that yeah like a little i could eat so he's like i'm hungry go see what's in the cabinet so she goes to the cabinet and she sees there's like classic irish stuff in there uh pots of gold <laughs> <laughs> A mountain of potatoes. Oh, it is all the potatoes. There's like just green. Anyway. A, a, a cup just full of beer? Yeah. Just open. An open cup of beer. <laughs> and a very drunk cockroach. So <laughs> I might have to cut that out. So we're American. So she opens the thing and she sees like, you know, there's some oatmeal in there, right? And he's like, that sounds great. Get the oatmeal. And she's like, okay. And so she grabs the <laughs> Oatmeal stories. Let me finish. <laughs> so she gets the oatmeal and he's like, mix it with the blood. And she's like, okay. And he like also has her bring out. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, just get a hankering for blood oatmeal. <laughs> this is actually just an elaborate episode of Hell's Kitchen talking <laughs> you about. But don't worry. The corpse is pregnant. <laughs> Got some like weird a, gravy. Yeah, yeah, just want some like blood oatmeal. <laughs> so he's has her to like grab two bowls and then to mix the blood with the oatmeal and to spoon it into both of the uh, bowls, right? So now she's sitting here. She's realizing in horror that this thing is gonna make her eat some blood oatmeal, and she's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. But they sit, he's like, okay, sit at the table. And as they sit at the table, he crawls off her back and he like you know, scoots his like horrible corpse body into one of the chairs and he starts to spoon this oatmeal into his mouth, right? And that's of course it's like falling out of him in different places and slopping around and he's like like making all these horrible noises. Um, we've seen Pirates of the Caribbean. And he, he we've, you know what? This is just an elaborate way for me to tell you about Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you heard the good word? He looks at her and he's like eat and she and she's like oh no and so she picks up her spoon and she starts to spoon out the oatmeal right but she realizes now that he's off her back like she still doesn't have full control of her body but she's shaking so much that the oatmeal falls off her spoon and she's like this is actually a really good thing for me so she like manages to get her hand up on the table she like slides a napkin into her lap 
and then she will lift the spoon up to her mouth, but she's shaking so much that she'll like plop it onto the napkin in her lap, right? So this, and this corpse is like busy, like just eating the crap out of this blood oatmeal, <laughs> like loving it. And so he's not paying attention to her. So once all her oatmeal is gone and it's on her lap, she manages to fold that napkin up to like ball it up basically. And she slides it into her pocket because they had pockets back then. Turns out <laughs> feminist Ireland. <laughs> is this just when you go to someone's house for dinner and the <laughs> dinner is really bad. And so you put the paper plate upside down in the trash. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. He was a terrible cook. <laughs> then the corpse crawls back onto her back and he's like, and now we leave. And so she's walking out and as she's walking away, she's like, hey, what's going to happen to them? Are they going to die? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, is there no way that we could still save them? And he's like, well, there was a way. The way was that they had to have eaten that like oatmeal. Like they would have had to have eaten it. He's like, but we ate the whole thing, you greedy little pig. <laughs> so like he like throws his head back and laughs and he's like, keep walking. So she's sitting there with this oatmeal in her pocket, like, okay, so now I have, I got oatmeal in my pocket. <laughs> and the other Ew. one is not filled with oatmeal. <laughs> so, I just, the sensation of, <laughs> A pocket full of bloody oatmeal. We'll do it later. I bet you would like it more than you would. Maybe. I think you would like it more than (laughs) you you walking around with like a wet sack of oatmeal bumping against your leg. (laughs) Oh my god. Blech. So they're walking, right? She's crying. She can't stop her legs from moving. And as they walk away from this house, the corpse points over at like a hill on the property. And he's like, you see that hill? And she's like, I I do, yeah. And he's like, when I was alive, I was a pirate and I had stolen a bunch of stuff and I buried it on that hill years and years and years ago, right? And then I was executed before I could ever dig it up or tell anybody where it was. And so she's like, okay, why are you telling me? And he's like, because there's no way that you'll be able to get it either. And so they keep walking. And as she's walking, she's like realizing they're going back to the cemetery, right? The sun's going to come up soon, right? So she's like, I think, but as she like is sitting there, she starts fighting, right? She's like, I need to go back and save those boys. I don't want them to die. I actually know them. Like I, this is terrible. And so she's fighting and she's realizing that as she's fighting, she can't stop her legs from moving, but she's slowing them down a lot. Like her willpower is like super strong. And so the corpse, the slower she goes, she starts noticing his head is starting to move up towards the sky. He's like looking up at the sky. He's panicking, right? So he's like, go faster. So he starts poking her and scratching her. He's biting her on the neck. Like he is trying, he's pulling her hair. He's like, keep going. But she's at this point realizes he's trying to like hurry her up because he doesn't want the sun to come up. So she's like, I need to run out this clock. And so she starts to like struggle. They go through the gates. It's painstakingly slow. He's screaming at her and cursing at her and poking her. They get to his mausoleum. She can see the gate and she's like, I need to stop us from getting there. The sun is literally just about to come up. Right. And also he's telling her like, it's not any use. Once you get into that mausoleum with me, you'll never come out again. So she's like, I need to figure this out. She sees the blackthorn walking stick that she had put just outside the gate. Right. And she's like, this is my way to go. So as they like pass it, she scoops down, she grabs it in her hand. And she manages to shove it into the gate. So instead of opening it now, it is essentially locked, right? And so he starts screaming. He crawls off her back and he starts to take his arms and like crawl towards that gate. And he's trying to yank this blackthorn locking stick out. But the sun has now started to peek up over the horizon and he screams and turns into dust. And so now this corpse is dead, right? And so she has full... All right. (laughs) She has full, I see, I hear it now. (laughs) She has full control over her limbs. And she's like, this is, 
All right. And she's exhausted, but she has to go and save these boys, right? She realizes she probably doesn't have that much time left. She might be too late already. And so she steals herself for a little bit and then she runs back towards that house. She runs to the door and as she runs to the door of that house, she hears a woman wailing inside, right? And she bursts through the door of their bedroom and she sees the mother holding one of her sons and she's freaking out and she's like shaking him and she looks up and she's like, Katie, Katie, where are you here? And she's like, I can save them. And she's like, uh, I think they're dead though. And she's like, no, they're not dead yet, but I can save them. Uh, and, <laughs> and then she scoops a handful <laughs> of her pocket. <laughs> oh, eat up. The mom's like, this is fine. <laughs> so but she's like, I can save Katie them. Katie seems to know what she's doing. <laughs> I've always did like that, Katie. <laughs> she's super hot. <laughs> Got pretty privileged. Can feed my son bloody oatmeal any day. But she's so poor. <laughs> so, ugh, right? <laughs> um, that looks like my oatmeal. Anyway, so uh, she's like, I could save them. Don't worry. And so she leans down next to one of the beds and she looks up and she goes, before I do though, can I have that hill over there? And the mother's like, what? And she's like, that hill on the property, can I have it? And she's like, you, sure. If you can bring all three of my sons back to life, yeah, you can have that hill. And she's like, cool. Which, like, not cool, Katie. <laughs> like, come on. And she's like, cool, that's my hill? We've agreed? And she's like, save my sons. And she's like, got it. And so she scoops a handful of bloody oatmeal out of her pocket and goes, num, num, num. <laughs> and spoons and just it. And mushes it <laughs> Just like, just with the palm of her hand, just starts shoveling oatmeal into their lifeless mouths. So uh, she does it for all three of the boys, but as she does it, to the mother's like surprise, color starts to come back into their cheeks. They start breathing again. It's probably from all the bloody oatmeal. Yeah, and she's like, some rouge. <laughs> and so they start like, they start coming back to life. And so now Katie has saved the day. No one knows why she knew how the how to do this or why she had bloody oatmeal in her pocket but they're all like uh you know what no questions asked go take your hill <laughs> you hot poor bitch <laughs> god i always did like that weirdo <laughs> so yeah so the next day of course katie is walking home and she she's covered in dirt and grime and corpse <laughs> like bloody, bloody oatmeal, oatmeal. <laughs> she's got chunks of oatmeal all over her fucking face <laughs> where she was trying really hard not to eat her it pockets leaking <laughs> and so as she's walking she passes by Derry, right? Who's had a long night of partying in the barn. He's like, Katie, I thought that I wasn't going to see you. I thought you had ditched us. Like, did you get my Blackthorn walking stick? And so Katie's now had the worst night of her life. And she looks at him and she goes, yeah, I did find your Blackthorn walking stick, actually. And if you want it, I actually left it for you at the cemetery. You'll find it at the Murphy's tomb. It's locking the gate. And if you want me to tell you where you can stick it, I would also be happy to uh, point you in the right direction there as well. So now she's told him off. A couple days goes by and she, <laughs> a couple days goes by and she goes back to that house and the oldest son of, you know, that she saved helps her dig up that hill. They find the treasure, right? So now Katie's a rich woman. She ends up marrying that guy, right? Because it's technically his treasure too. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also, say. she ends up like marrying that guy and they have a wonderful life, you know, like financially stable. He's very kind. They have children and they end up buying, uh, building their own house. It's a beautiful house, way far away from the cemetery, as far as they can possibly get. And she has uh, her new husband make her a little box to be put placed over each and every door of the house that will hold holy water, just in case. <laughs> Aww. And that's the story of the Blackthorn walking stick. I like that so much. Yeah! Do you have any follow-up questions? I do. No, it's it's not a question for you necessarily, more okay. for... Ireland? <laughs> yep. Right. <laughs> so, he wanted out just so he could make some oatmeal. <laughs> I think he wanted a wife. 
Okay, so here's... Wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> Listen, it's hard. It's was really he hiding under that someone. whole time? Yeah. <laughs> you were like jumping on her back and like getting corpse all over her in a flirty way? Hey, you haven't had to date in a while, okay? It's a rough world. Take it from somebody who's been single for like ever. <laughs> it's a rough world out there. Sometimes you just need to like wear a man backpack and like eat some bloody oatmeal. Commit mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. I think that the bloody she oatmeal. I think the bloody oatmeal was a curse. I think it was something that, like, if she had eaten it, then he could have kept her down in that mausoleum forever. She would never have never been able to come out again. You know, like that's what it feels like to me. But classic. But how would how? Okay, so but the curse rules. Mm-hmm. If the people who got drained of their blood ate it, and it made them better, why would it make her? Would it make her a? a Corpse? A ghoul. <laughs> if you will. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. I absolutely will. Maybe if any of them that ate the oatmeal go down into the mausoleum, they will be his husbands. Automatically. Oh, he's dead now. Uh, anyway, you know what? It's not ours to question. It's not. But I'm gonna. Oh, okay. alright. <laughs> also, I really like the idea of Katie going to go get the walking stick and then coming back. Again! Just to uh, repaint this this beautiful okay. picture. All right. Covered in corpse goo. <laughs> I also like and the image of her oatmeal. Covered in corpse goo. <laughs> Exhausted. Mm-hmm. Coming back, and he's like, oh my god, what <laughs> happened? Did you get my walking stick? He doesn't and even she's ask like, her. Yes. And then I left it where it was. Like, as far as he knows, maybe she didn't even go and get it. <laughs> maybe she just went and did a separate thing. She went and like just where it was rolled already. around. Well, it's now shoved into the gate. So like he left it inside of the mausoleum, and now it's being used to lock the gate of the Murphy tomb. So like she went and did something with it. If I were her, I'm just saying I would have taken the walking stick back to him to prove that I could get it. And then I would okay. have beaten him to death with this it. This is what you would do. I believe you a thousand percent. Max would find a way to cause him bodily harm, so he would need a black thorn <laughs> Just take him out at the knees. You're like, you know what? I'm tired of you pretending to like have like a leg thing. I'm just going to go ahead and cripple you <laughs> right here now. Also, I definitely would bring him the black thorn walking stick because I am a deeply prideful person and i don't know if i can handle him being like did you even do it or did you get scared after all that you would go back into the cemetery and unlock the gate yeah it's not like there was another guy down there see i would do it i think i, I like think this, this goes back to whether this is a family mausoleum or just that one guy you think there's a hotter corpse do you think he was like the ugly <laughs> uncle <laughs> like should she go back and try They're again super embarrassed of it <laughs> like, They're like oh my god you're uh, so Gross and weird. Stop jumping on people. What Murphy? Would, <laughs> Murphy McMurphy. What would make Your you? Your mother and I are very disappointed. You did not ask for consent from that nice young lady. <laughs> what would make you go down into the mausoleum? Like he was crawl, like calling for help. Would that work on you? Or what? What could he be calling that would make you want to go into the mausoleum? Well, so first of all, if if I heard someone calling for help in the mausoleum, I would sit outside of the mausoleum and talk to them and be like hey it's okay in the morning i will go get some help okay wait imagine <laughs> imagine if there actually is a person down there like but you're here now yeah 
Imagine somebody at the bottom. Super like, suspicious, though. And also, they're not getting more hurt. <laughs> they might die. People expire. <laughs> okay, but it's like the it's like the trolley problem where it's like that's true. Would have died if I wasn't there. I so think no if net, net, uh... I think I wouldn't go down for a man. I think I'd be like, I'm gonna call the police and then bring out my 2021 cell phone. <laughs> um, no, I think I would be like, I'm gonna go get help and then I would run and get help for a man. If I heard a lady down there, 100, I'd be like, I got you, girl, <laughs> mm-hmm. going down. And then I would have like a lady backpack and I'd be really bummed out. But like, I really like that in this scenario, mm-hmm. you have a 2021 cell phone. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically, if you did go down, get your mm-hmm. corpse bride, my, my corpse bride, <laughs> and then had the whole you know the events of the story happen to you, I like the idea that the pocket that you put the bloody oatmeal in also has your cell phone in it, and you have to go to the <laughs> Apple Store the next day and be like, I have some liquid damage in my <laughs> phone, and they're like, Is this bloody oatmeal in your charging port? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and listen. I thought you were supposed to be a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Fix my phone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't think this is covered under the warranty. (laughs) (laughs) It actually is. Apple has a really uh, in-depth warranty. (laughs) Oatmeal is part of it. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, grits, not covered. No! (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Do you want to take a break that was like 40 minutes, or do you want to just barrel through? I kind of want some more tea. Let's make some more tea. We're going to take a break! sit back and be comfy <laughs> let's hope that these dogs are as well behaved for you as they were for me mm-hmm. if you're hearing a thumping by the way that's pepper's tail our she's, cat's tail she's passive aggressively whacking the couch with her tail because we're not paying attention to her <laughs> she's yeah. very rude okay so i have my story here i don't think i want to tell you you probably already, already saw the name but it's kind of a I spoiler didn't. okay i didn't see um, the name the name is kind of a spoiler so i'll tell you the name at the end of it i guess Exciting. Um, <laughs> but so this is um i got this from a collection of fairy tales it's called the world treasury of fairy tales and folklore by professor william gray it's very beautiful like pillow bound cover and everything huge collection of fairy tales from around the world categorized by era so it's by century, basically. There's like Fun. a whole se- section on the 18th century, 19th century fairy tales, 20th century fairy tales. This one is from Andrew Lang, who was a folklorist and author um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He wrote a collection of fairy tales called Fairy Books of Many Colors. So it's this whole beautiful collection of books, and they're each named after a color, oh. and they're bound in that color. Oh. It's super cute. Okay, also, <laughs> guys... Max's book collection is the stuff of dreams. Like, just the Beast's library to me looks really boring, but when I go through Max's, like, much smaller library, it's fascinating and so fun. You can find anything you want. Not to brag, but I have two five-shelf IKEA bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Piled full high. Of books. Over full of books. Uh, I have a lot of books. And they're I also never, witchy I and, like... read. <laughs> she also... I'm yeah. illiterate. <laughs> But, oh, they're pretty. <laughs> yeah. So this this story is from the Olive Fairy Book. Hmm. Again, one of the collection of uh, fairy books of many colors. Um, it was The book was published in 1907. This is a retelling of a Punjabi folktale. Fun. Which I did a little bit of research into, like, Punjabi folklore. Apparently it's primarily, like, folk songs, which is really cool. 
Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is obviously this is a retelling by an English, presumably white dude. Uh, <laughs> so this is probably not like culturally accurate. <laughs> but I couldn't find any other versions online. It seems like this is the only real version that's in print um, that I could get a hold of, anyways. Mm-hmm. An important thing to note also is that um, in Punjabi culture, according to Wikipedia and also the notes on this story, snakes are feared and worshipped. Same. So we'll come back to that. <laughs> All right. If you're afraid of snakes, this is not going to be a good one for you. There's lots of snakes. <laughs> uh, it's just all snakes. Spoilers. All right. <laughs> there once was an old woman. Mm-hmm. Very old woman, very, very poor. Um, she lived in a little house by the river. And one day she realized that she was almost out of flour. She was down to the very last of the flour in her pantry. She didn't have any other food. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have any money. And she didn't have any way of getting a job. She was very, very old, very frail. Uh, so she knew she wasn't going to be able to make any money. And so she sort of realized that she was going to starve. So she went down to the river. She had this little brass pot that she would make all of her food in. She went down to the river with the brass pot to get some water um, so that she could make a little like unleavened cake um, with what was left of her flour and to, you know, just take a bath. So she went down to the water. She took her bath. She put a cloth on top of the pot so that nothing would, like, you know, dirt or anything would get into it. And she was... In the, in the river, you know, sort of thinking about how awful everything was. Yeah, same! <laughs> I'm really bummed out very by this sad. Yeah. She got out of the water, and she saw in the pot, a snake had gotten into the pot, and it was coiled at the bottom. She saw its, its scales flashing at the bottom of the pot. And so, again, in a truly depressing turn of events, she took the cloth, mm-hmm. and she put it in the pot on top of the snake to catch it in the pot. Yeah. About to have some snake soup. You would think. Oh no. <laughs> but the, the story says that she was like, sorry, I'm actually going to find this quote real quick because yeah. she said, ah, kind death, I will take you home to my house and there I will shake you out of my pot and you shall bite me and I will die and then all my troubles will be ended. <laughs> um, <laughs> all so right. she goes back to her house with this snake in her little brass pot covered with the cloth. And she gets into her house, she closes all the doors and windows so the snake can't get out. And then she lifts up the cloth. And inside of the pot, instead of a snake, there's a beautiful jeweled necklace. And she gasps, she's like shocked for a moment, just staring at it. She's never seen anything so beautiful in her entire life. Mm -hmm. So she takes the cloth and she wraps the necklace back up again and she runs to the castle and she demands an audience with the king. And the king comes out and she shows him this necklace Mm -hmm. and he falls in love with it immediately. He has to have it. It's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. He gives her 500 silver pieces for the necklace, which is enough for her to live on for the rest of her life. Nice. And so she's so happy. She runs home with her 500 silver pieces and that's kind of that. So the king has this necklace. He shows it to his queen. She loves it. And then they put it away in the, in the castle's safe, effectively the jewelry safe. Yeah. Um, They have a chest that has all of the family jewels, all of the like royal necklaces and brooches and everything. And they lock the chest with this big key that hangs around the king's neck at all times um, to keep it safe. Nobody can steal anything. So a couple months pass and they are invited to a party in a neighboring kingdom because the neighboring king and queen have just had a baby girl. So they're there to celebrate the birth of this princess um, and they're, they're invited. And so they're getting ready to go. They're putting together all of their fine clothes and all their fine jewels. And the queen is like, I would like to wear that necklace. Okay, I was 
I was waiting for this because I was kind of really pissed off that he spent all this money that meant nothing to him and then just locked it away. Yeah, no, safe. for sure. I was like, when are they gonna wear it? Can they be wearing it Rich to bed? People. Thank you. <laughs> I was like insulted on behalf Again, of the snake. They have a whole safe full of jewelry. It's <laughs> like just why would you? Okay, so she's wearing it now. No, she. Uh, oh, yeah. They're getting ready to get packed, and she's like, "Can you go get that from the safe?" And so the king goes to the safe, and he opens the safe, and then he screams, and the queen runs in because she she assumes that the necklace has been stolen. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and in the safe, in place of the necklace, nestled in among all of the other necklaces and brooches and rings and mm-hmm. crowns and everything, is a baby boy. <gasps> <laughs> oh! And then and it was gonna be a snake! <laughs> the king is overjoyed because he, he says to the queen, he was like, We've always wanted a baby. We've never been able to have one. This is so exciting. Aww. <laughs> this is so exciting. We've always wanted a baby. Um, I will also note at this point in the story as I was reading it, uh, they say that the baby crows with glee. Oh, he's but like, I Thank was... God I'm out of the snake. <laughs> I was reading very quickly, and so I read a baby crow was in the sea. <laughs> Better. <laughs> and I didn't realize my problem until I got to the, the line where the king was like, we've always wanted a baby. And the wife was like, what? And I was like, yeah, because it's a crow. <laughs> uh, as if um, we wouldn't be super psyched to have a baby crow. I was, I was absolutely fine with You're it. You're like, this is the best story I've ever <laughs> I was like, read this so king far. is just going to adopt a crow? The logic is not. <laughs> there's a baby, not a crow. A human baby. <laughs> All right, not as good. But I'll They're keep so listening. excited. They fall in love with this baby boy immediately. He's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The queen takes him up into her arms and holds him at her at her chest, and she says, "This this is our baby. Like yeah. this is our baby boy. This is our son. We've been blessed. This is the best thing that's ever happened." She's to like, us. "But can you so, please still try to find that necklace because we still have to go to this party?" Yeah, this necklace is is noticeably missing from the chest. <laughs> so they they call up the other, FBI. Hey, Kingdom. (laughs) They uh, send a messenger to the other kingdom and say, I'm sorry, we can't come to your party because we're having a party because we just had a baby. Oh, those bitches. Weird. Have it on a different day, you weirdos. (laughs) Super bitchy. So these two kingdoms are both celebrating. Everyone is so happy. The kingdom like celebrates. There's a huge party for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, Everyone has the best time of their lives. So the king and queen call up the old woman who found the necklace slash snake slash baby. <laughs> sure. And they're like, you need a job, right? Would you like to be a nurse for this she baby? She doesn't need a job. She's <laughs> fine, but let her be old and peace. <laughs> and so, but she sees this baby boy and she also falls in love and she's his nurse. Um, she cares for him for his entire childhood. Oh. So these two kingdoms, their children were born at the same time. The neighboring kingdom had a girl. This kingdom has a boy now. The kings and queens uh, decide to arrange a, mar- a marriage between the two of them uh, for when they turn 18. You know, they sign all the documents and everything like that to arrange this marriage. And these two kids grow up together. And so they're, you know, they're very, very best friends. Aww. They're going to be married someday. That's nice. And here's the thing. The old lady who found the necklace is a little bit of a gossip. <laughs> So the king and queen tell everyone, this is our baby. We had it in the normal way. Don't oh. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But the old lady over her many years of service, you know, might let slip once or twice that there's something weird and slightly magical about this boy. And she's like, I heard he might have been a necklace. And so, you know, I heard you know, this really weird rumor that at one point he was Jules. <laughs> so, you know, it's not 
something that everyone knows, but there are, there are whispers that there's something strange about this boy. Yeah. And these whispers get to the queen of the neighboring kingdom. And so she goes to her daughter um, the day before her wedding, and she says, you got to figure out what's up with this kid. And so she, t- she tells her daughter, the princess, once you're married, don't speak to him. Wait until he asks us wrong. <laughs> and then tell him to tell you the secret of his birth. Oh. And then don't speak to him again until he tells you. Passive aggressive yeah. bitches. <laughs> the, si- the original silent yeah, I mean. Um, it worked. <laughs> so on their wedding night, the princess is silent and the prince is like, what's wrong? Like, are you angry? I- Do you not want to be married? <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Just ask him first. Yeah. And she says, I need you to tell me the secret of your birth. And he says, if I tell you... You'll repent that you ever asked me. Hmm. And so she returns to silence and ignores him. And this goes on for a while. Several weeks, several months go by. And she is completely silent and cold to him. And every single time he asks her to talk to him, she just says, tell me the secret of your birth. And he says, if I tell you, you will repent that you ever asked me. Finally, he breaks. He wants to speak to his wife again. (laughs) This is rude. And he says, at midnight, I will tell you my secret if you still wish it, but you will repent it all your life. Oh. How does he know? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a little little mad at him now. I'm switching sides. (laughs) (laughs) So that night he goes and he gets the horses ready and he tells all the servants and guards that they'll be out that, that evening. And the two of them get on their horses and they ride down to the river where the old woman found the snake in her little brass pot. And he says, do you still insist that I should tell you my secret? And she says, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Please tell me your secret. And he says, "Uh, if I do remember that you will regret it all your life. And she says, like, I I need to know. Please tell me. And so he sighs and he says, I am the son of a distant king cursed to be a snake. And as the word snake escapes his lips, he disappears. Oh. And she sees a snake dark snakes slither into the water of the river um, at midnight. And so she is shocked. Yeah. Obviously. A little, I mean. Um, She sits waiting at the riverbank for him to come back for something to happen. And her guards and servants find her the next morning weeping, just bawling her eyes out on the riverbank. And she won't tell them where the prince is. She won't tell them what happened. And she's just inconsolable. Yeah. So... She goes back to her parents and she asks them to build her a little house of black stone on the river where the old woman found the, the snake and she dresses in mourning. She just stays in this, in this little hut by the river with, it's <laughs> a little bit funny, uh, the story <laughs> says, with like a handful of guards and servants. Which, <laughs> you know, she's slumming it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, which kind of ruins the drama of it a little bit. But so she's, she's uh, effectively in self-exile at this river in this little black stone house. And uh, she's, she's determined to spend the rest of her life in mourning. And so one morning she wakes up and she sees a spot of mud on her bed sheets. This has been, this has been months, years. <laughs> she, sees, she sees a smudge of mud on her, on her bed sheets when she mm-hmm. wakes up in the morning. Um, and it looks like kind of like a footprint. And so she goes to the guards who are standing outside of her house and she says, who came in last night? And they were like, no one came in last night. We're we were watching <laughs> no one no one possibly could have come in we would have seen if if a even if a bird had come in we would have seen it you know yeah. we were standing guard all night very diligently and she's like there's there's mud here like i didn't put it 
which one of you with your muddy feet were standing on my bed? And the guards say that it's, it's impossible. There's no way anyone could have gotten in. So she goes out. She washes her sheets in the river. and She washes it. her own sheets? I assume. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right, girl. I'll see you. And then she goes to sleep that night. Um, the next morning she wakes up and there's another spot of mud on her bed sheets. Motherfucker. And she goes to the guards and she's like, who came in to my room last night? There was another spot of mud. Like, it's not possible for this to have happened by itself. Like, yeah. something has to have come in and put this mud here. Mm-hmm. And they say nothing came in. We, we were extra careful. We kept our watch. Nothing came in. And so that night, she goes to bed. She's determined to find out what is happening. So she takes a pen knife and she cuts her finger, just cuts a, a, a little, like her, her fingertip a little bit mm-hmm. and rubs salt in it so that the pain will keep her awake all night and she won't fall asleep on accident. Huh. Which it seems like there's easier way to yeah, way just to stay awake. You yeah. and I were awake till 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, um, she lays in her bed and she waits. And at midnight, a small black snake slithers in through the doorway and it has mud on its head from the river and it comes and it crawls up onto her bed and she's terrified. Yeah. Also important to note at this point, she is terrified of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. And so uh, she is frozen stock still and the snake crawls up on her bed sheets and she says, who are you? Where did you come from? And the snake lifts its head and it says, I am your husband. Oh, I have come to visit you. <laughs> And she bursts into tears and she says, I missed you so much. I'm so sorry. I do repent. I I regret ever asking you. I just, I wish you were still here with me. Is there any way that we can be together again? And he says, there is, there might be one way. (laughs) And so he tells her to take four bowls and fill them with With milk and sugar. them with milk and sugar and put them in the four corners of her little black stone house and he tells her that in the at the stroke of midnight all of the snakes in the river will come to drink from the bowls of sugared milk because it's their favorite treat is it (laughs) that's actually that is something in specifically in punjabi folklore snakes are like again feared and revered and one of the things that you do for snakes is you leave out milk and sugar for them cute (laughs) Uh, also though imagine being afraid of snakes and then having every snake in the river come into your home at the same time (laughs) to drink milk exactly well that's that's part of her challenge is that she has to okay yeah she has and he says the snake that leads the group is the queen of snakes cool um and you need to go to her and you 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 cannot show that you are scared and you need to ask her to turn me back. So she puts out the four bowls of milk and sugar in the four corners of her little one room hut and she lies down in bed and she waits uh, the next night. She lies down in bed, she waits, and then at midnight all these black snakes come in from the river and they come in through her doorway. The guards outside (laughs) are terrified and they run away because they are terrible at their job. (laughs) And so this like writhing slithering mass of snakes comes in through her front door and she's terrified but she stands firm and one snake with flashing jewel-like eyes that is larger than the rest leads this massive throng of snakes in through the door and she gets out of the bed and she stands in front of the snakes and she says queen of snakes please give me back my husband and all the snakes whisper her husband her husband her husband <laughs> Oh my god, guys, are you her husband? I think it might be me. It's not you, Jerry. (laughs) 
You would know if you were married, Jerry. Jerry, how many times do we have to tell you, you cannot pull a princess? <laughs> but this, the Queen of Snakes looks at her and with understanding in her eyes, and she says, tomorrow you shall have him. Oh, tomorrow. Nice. And so the princess is so relieved that she collapses exhausted and passes out. And she, she has this fevered dream that she remembers the next morning of all of the snakes in all the four corners of the house lapping up all of the all of the sugared milk until the bowls are empty. Um, so she wakes up in the morning, the bowls are empty, there's like slither marks all over Ugh. the floor of her hut. And she's so excited. <laughs> so she goes and she sweeps her whole house, she puts on her finest, most colorful clothes, she hangs garlands of flowers and lanterns all throughout the forest around her house and lights 1,000 wax candles in her little hut. Um, and she sits and waits for her husband to come back. Uh, she sits in the doorway and she watches the river. And at midnight, the prince comes out of the river laughing with tears oh. uh, in his human form. <laughs> and they embrace. They are so happy. Uh, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. It's a really sweet way for this to happen. So they go back to the king and the queen and they celebrate and there's a huge party. The prince is back and they live happily ever after. Their kids also, as a note, they, they have kids and the old nurse is nurse to their children as well. And it oh. says, although it was mostly a title because she was too old to do anything but love them. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Okay. The first end. Of, uh, <laughs> that is... First of all, the sweetest story I've ever heard. <laughs> However, though, how old was this woman? Like, she was... Old as I hell. mean, older than dirt. Like, this is like a 200-year-old gossipy God. bitch. <laughs> I love her. I would die for her. Uh, I wonder, like, what else she likes to drop. Like, like their kids... She's like, listen, you didn't hear it from me. But their kids, they're like, are also snakes? And she's like, no, they're assholes. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, oh, so good. Oh, I also, the, the descriptions in this, if you if you guys have the chance to ever read this, this is just beautifully written. The scene where she uh, she's sitting on the riverbank and she is, her, her husband has just turned into a snake and disappeared. And there's a description that's just absolutely beautiful. Where also, as she's looking for this, the we're looking at the physical book and it's beautiful. It's like big and... There's illustrations all throughout it. Yeah. So this is this is the paragraph. It says, um, The word snake was hardly out of his lips when he disappeared, and the princess heard a rustle and saw a ripple on the water, and in the faint moonlight she beheld a snake swimming into the river. Soon it disappeared and she was left alone. In vain she waited with beating heart for something to happen and for the prince to come back to her. Nothing happened and no one came. Only the wind mourned through the trees on the river bank. And the night birds cried, and a jackal howled in the distance, and the river flowed black and silent beneath her. Ugh. Which is just the most beautiful image ever. I remember what I was thinking throughout this part. So I am, like, this is a beautiful story. I do like all the characters. However, this is such a man thing. So many fairy tales are, like, the wife, the, the husband keeping a huge secret, and the wife being like, okay, well, this huge secret is affecting both of our lives in a weird way. So, like, you're going to have to tell me. And he's like, I could never. You'll regret it. And I'm like, stop being so coy. Just say, like, hey, there's a weird curse. I can't really go into it. But also, did he go his whole life without saying the word snake? I think it was once he told the secret. Oh. Yeah, I've got a lot of other stories like that. And I'm always like, excuse me, husband, your life's not that interesting. Find a way to be like... the. 
I can't tell you. Otherwise, I'll have to go away forever. I also, I thought you were going to say, tell me. it is a very man thing to do to... Turn into a snake and leave. <laughs> yes. He rode her out in the middle of the night to a riverbank. Oh, what a bitch. Knowing that he was going to turn Edward into a Colin snake. motherfucker. Didn't bring anyone, abandoned her on a riverbank <laughs> at midnight. She's the princess. Like... She's never had to be in the ransom woods. situation. Like, it's... <laughs> She could have died. <laughs> He's like, let me take you to where I was born. And then he just slithered away. <laughs> She's like, where, how do I get home? <laughs> do I have where to walk I? on my feet? <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, I really like that. It's like just the, yeah, it's really beautiful. I also like her hanging all the lanterns in all the forest oh, all around. Yeah. And like garlands all over this little black stone house. Only you can prevent forest fires, Max. That's true. Um, That's true. That is actually very dangerous. Like, I didn't think of Like, how dare she? <laughs> it was, that was reckless of her, I'm really <laughs> Actually, not great. Canceled. She's canceled. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I just, I, I do also, I, as I was reading about it, there are a lot of connections to other stories with, like, this idea of, like, if you find out, you'll regret it. Like a curiosity killed a cat kind of situation. Yeah. Like um, like the myth of Orpheus looking back um, and losing his wife or Psyche and Eros. Like if you find out something bad is going to happen and people, and like the girl with the ribbon. Yeah. The well, gr- the gr- girl with the green ribbon from uh, Scary Stories to Tell the Dark. See, you're really coming up though. I like that you have the ideas because in most of the stories that I've heard, are all punishing women for asking questions. You know, mm-hmm. it's the Pandora's box situation of it all, yeah. of like, don't ask questions, just do what you're told. And then when you do ask questions, you are horrifically punished. Yeah. Whereas like, I guess you did point out two male examples that I, I wouldn't have even thought of, but I feel like mostly it's just like a punishment for women asking questions. You yeah. know, like the curiosity in women is like so deeply like, looked down upon yeah it's also in in fairy tales the idea of curiosity i feel like is <laughs> it's hard to get a moral from most like curiosity centric stories because about half of them are like if you're too curious horrible things will happen to you and the other half are like if you're curious you might find a treasure <laughs> so it's mm. kind of like a high risk high reward <laughs> It's not really like, it's good to be curious, or it's bad to be curious. It's just kind of like, some people know. are curious, and things happen as a result. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the sort of casino I want to go to. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we I think we did it. Yeah. We freaking did it. What? Oh, I also wanted to say, this is just another, another connection. This story, sorry, this story is called The Snake Prince, um, which again, kind of a spoiler. <laughs> I don't think I would have put that together. I, you know what well, I would have thought? If I had heard the title and then just heard the beginning, I would have thought the old woman would have married that snake. Yeah. I had I definitely had preconceptions about the story based on the name, mm. um, which is actually uh, the connection I wanted to make is that my first thought was like, I don't know, did you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia books? Mm-hmm. Do you remember The Silver Chair? No. It was like the second to last one, I think. Oh, I didn't read all of them. I only read the first one. Oh, okay. Well, you actually read the second one. Oh. The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? Mm-hmm. That's the oh. second one. The first one is called The Magician's Nephew. Oh, I think I started to read that one and got bored. <laughs> it's really cool. Guys, Chronicles of Narnia books, aside from being a Christian allegory, are also fucking badass. They're super cool and amazing. Um, <laughs> so the silver chair is about basically this prince who is enthralled on a silver chair under the control of this woman in a, a green dress who can transform into a snake. Okay. And so that was my first thought was like the, the, the snake prince as a title was like this thought of snakes as being like insidious in a way. Yeah. Um, 
And oh, that is nice that the yeah. snakes are the heroes in this. Yeah, and I really liked that. Also, like the Adam and Eve sort of thing of the is it a curiosity thing where the snake is the clear villain here? Yeah, that I is also, nice. There's also a suggestion of an entire mythos that I'm fascinated in within the story of the queen of snakes. <laughs> what the fu Who has magic powers? It's not clear whether she was the one that turned him into a snake, or if she has non-snake related powers. Girl boss. <laughs> but like. What? <laughs> also, he was already a prince in another... He was the son of a king in a foreign land. Did so the, he was already a... Did he check in with his actual parents? Do you think the queen cursed him and then that was his mom? I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going so to need to know more about this. There's so much that I need to know about this story that isn't even Snake queen. mentioned or acknowledged. And I absolutely love Maybe it. Maybe that's what I'll be for Halloween. Snake queen. Snake queen. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Yes, hello, it's me. Snake queen. Anyway... Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. What was the name of this podcast again? Uh, Hold on. Guys, this is brand new. We uh, may or may not. This is sort of the story. Yankee. This was... No. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> this is lore. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of... That was sort of the story. <laughs> that was sort of two stories. That was sort of two stories. <laughs> uh, also a couple of other little ones. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed it. Leave comments on what you liked or what you would like to see or just thoughts that you had as we do this, please. Yeah. Also, I my story is from Punjabi folklore, which I don't know a lot about. So if I got something wrong or said something incorrect or rude, please let me know. Because I Nicely. would love to learn. I, I did as much research as I could in the 15 minutes before we started doing this. <laughs> because I... This is fast and loose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a terrible procrastinator. So I did I did the best I could. And if there's something you would like me to change, let me know. Because I don't want to be an asshole. But also, please don't be assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Guys, thank you. Many more to come. Bye. Bye. We're trying it one more time. Hello, this is Anki. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is Anki and I'm Marin. Hello, this is Marin oh, and I'm Marin. at my last fucking straw. <laughs> okay. <laughs>